You're listening to the Food Talk Show. Hello there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Hi there Ollie. Hi, how's it going? It's a bit stinky poo in the, in the studio it isn't is, it? It is. It, is it, it a nice smell? I have to say, I love cheese rooms, and we, we seem to be creating a, a, a sonically, our own cheese room, our own yeah. cheese room with sonic equipment <laughs> in it. Yes, we are creating our own cheese room, and that is because I'm joined by Penny Nagel of Feltham's Farm, and she's bought her Renegade Monk cheese. Is that what it is? That's right. Yes, that's right. And uh, a, a good friend of ours on the um, Food Talk Show, Damien Lee from Mr Lee's Noodles. Are you a cheese fan? I love cheese. Oh, thank God, Absolutely. you're in the right program. Then <laughs> excellent. You've 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 come on the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into what Penny's doing, you're a really big supporter of, of British cheese at the Great British Chefs, aren't you? You run your own awards. Yeah, so we, we set up the Great British Cheese Awards about three years ago because we sort of believed there was a kind of minor revolution going on where lots of independent um I'm going to deliberately use the word crazy, um, individuals hmm. basically tried to create their own cheeses and actually create um, essentially a, 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 a you know, a whole range of different cheese of different styles all over the country. And these were artisanal cheeses. And so we set up the Great British Cheese Awards to allow the public to vote on their favourite cheeses. And it's all done in partnership with Peter's Yard, who are kind of the leading artisanal sourbread crisp company, um, who are sold in all top cheesemakers. We like them. We do like them. We do like them very much. And and basically, it's just about celebrating something that's really lovely going, that's going on in this country, which is people are creating amazing cheeses. And a lot of them aren't available in supermarkets, but they're available in farmers markets and um, you know some some retailers that are kind of getting the need to move beyond La Fromagerie being yeah, one La of them. Yeah, La Fromagerie, one amazing ones. And, but there, yeah. but there also are cheese shops dotted all over the UK yeah. nowadays, and it's yeah. really it's really taken off actually. Mm. And and I believe France is something like double the landmass of the UK, but actually we've got more cheesemakers than France. Did you know that? I, more more cheese varieties, sorry, than France. I think it, I think we're beginning to uh, to win that battle. I mean, I think I think five years ago, you know, the British cheese thing was kind of cheddar, Stilton. And actually, I think we're sort of beginning to to really break out of that. British love their cheese, though, because according to the statistics, uh, 98% of British households uh, buy cheese. And yeah, I mean, I can't think of should. any other single ingredient, perhaps with the exception of milk, possibly, yep. or bread. But, but people do buy cheese. They love cheese in the UK. They love cheese. And I think there's a large group of people who take cheese seriously and love putting on a you know, cheese platter and kind of having it at the end of a meal or having it on a summer afternoon salad and cheese. And it's sort of a classic, delicious way to eat. Mm. And apparently we consume around 700,000 tonnes of cheese a year. That's a lot of cheese. That's a lot of cheese. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot of it isn't very good. And a lot of it is... Increasingly, there's produced, some but there are some. Stuff. But but I think you know there's there is in, you know there is increasingly kind of a long tail of really innovative artisanal producers who are doing mm. cool stuff. Yeah, there are around seven hundred named cheeses in the UK. That's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, you know, but it's but, but but it's and it's great because actually it's happening all over the UK. This is not about you know the capitals. It's about the countryside really adding value and creating mm. products that make farms work. And that I'm sure we're going to talk about, but. Mm. One of the things that we've been really been struck by is whenever you meet a cheesemaker, there's often a story there about how they started doing it, why they started doing it, how that connects to the farm that's often been in the family for generations, some of the challenges around selling milk and pricing. And, and actually, they're always really powerful stories, I found. Mm. 
So, Penny, can you just give us a 60-second lesson on how you make cheese? <laughs> just putting you right on the spot. Didn't prepare you for this at all. Um, so, uh, you obviously use milk. Um, and the thing that I love about cheese is that originally cheese was, they, they think was cheese was created by, um, there's a theory that it was created by uh, riders across the kind of Mongolian steppes carrying milk in their leather bottles, that, uh, in their bottles that were made of cow's stomachs, and that's how cheese was originally uh, started. So that, if you think about that as the basic process. So milk, in essence, separates out yeah. naturally if you leave it. Probably rather disgusting, but but if you you know if it's not interfered with or looked after, basically it would separate out into something that was solid-like yeah. and something that's watery, and essentially that the is way. the basis of cheese cheese making yeah. curds and whey. Exactly. So and solid a, and milk, milky stuff, yeah, exactly. watery stuff. And it's a way to it's a way to store milk originally. Hmm. Um, but as with most things, you get more and more creative with how that tastes and, and yeah. where it goes. So, so the 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 cheese that is the quickest to make um, tends to be things like. Um, Feta and you know what we would say in inverted commas goat's cheese. It's not actually necessarily goat's cheese, but you know that's the type of cheese that people are used yeah. to. Very very white, isn't it? Often, yes. all the way through to stuff that can be matured yeah. for literally years and years. Yeah, yeah. So cheddars and and um, alpine al- alpine cheeses, for example, mm. um, and then everything in between. So so you can put some wires and stuff through it, so you get a little bit of blue and a little bit of. And bacteria. Mouldy stuff yeah. going on, or bacteria, yeah. which gives you all the blue stuff. But essentially, it's still milk that's, that's, that's divided into curds and whey. Exactly. So, tell me about your cheese, because um, we've tasted loads of cheese on this show. We're very lucky to do that. And we've tasted loads and loads of British cheeses, some of which are phenomenal. I can't imagine why you'd have cheese from another country if, you know, if, if we've got a great English equivalent. But there's a very specific French cheese that we don't make here particularly. Is that where this story starts? Well, we... So, Marcus, my husband, is the... He's the cheese brains in our partnership. Right. So, he's the real... He's the cheese maker. He has been passionate about cheese since he was... I mean, there's, a, there's an apocryphal story of he had his sixth birthday party and he, he, he asked for a cheese fondue instead of a cake. Wow. And then at six. at six, and then he ate so much. Weirdo. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, that I love awesome. that kind of story where you yeah. sort of go, you know, if only everyone knew what they wanted to do at the age of six. Yeah. Do you want an ice bun? No, thanks. No, no. I have some cheese fondue. Some cheese. Well, yeah. well, more than that, he ate so much of that cheese fondue at his sixth birthday party. He was sick. sick. And then he went back for more. Mm, that's yeah. how much he loves cheese. Yeah. So, so he is, um, he's the cheese brains in our partnership, and he's... I don't think even he realised because um, he then he was kind of he he kind of self-selected made himself the president of the London Cheese Society when we lived in London, um, which came out of a kind of funny chance meeting with the Harrods kind of cheese buyer who said, "Goodness, I've been looking for someone like you for years," and he yeah. said, "Brilliant, okay, I'll do it." I'll do it. And, and actually, we did. We, we ran the London Cheese Society, but I don't think he even he had anticipated how good he would be at making cheese, um, and. And the, our first cheese is Renegade Monk, um, which comes from many holidays that we had in France, uh, particularly in the south, where you eat the most delicious cheese, and particularly a poisse or banon, which are these soft, rind-washed cheeses. And we thought, why can't... Why aren't, there's not really an English equivalent of a poisse, though, is there? Not really. Do you think? Uh, I well, hope somebody, not into, not until please somebody um, e- you know, email me or, or, or well, we, send something on Twitter if you, if you have got great alternatives. because we'd love to speak to you. But Well, we think that Renegade Monk is a, our homage to an Yes, because exactly. Because it's, um, 
it uses the same, uh, roughly the same process. Uh, it has roughly the same, it, yeah, but it's got a British twist on it because actually even the French wouldn't try and make a blue soft Rheinwasch cheese because the process becomes very difficult. Yeah. My job is turning cheeses or washing them sometimes, and the softer they get, it, they become really difficult to turn. Mm. Um, so, so, so you let something mature. That you've got the curd. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, how does how does it then? How do you then make epoisse from a normal curd? You know, like any other cheesemaker would have. So you say you're turning the cheese. What, what what exactly are you doing? So what we do? So what you do is you um. There's quite a lot of so you, to to bring in the blue, we add in a penicillium bacterium. Um, and uh, that's kind of scattered over it, and then you have a kind of you wash you wash it in ale. You salt the cheeses on both sides. I mean, it's washed in ale every couple of days for about a month. So wow. it's really labour intensive. Yeah. Um, and I think had we known that this would be a successful cheese, <laughs> we might not have made it as our first one because it's so labour intensive. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why, why wash it in ale? Is that just to do with flavour, or does it, does it help in other ways? Well, we well it adds that, a depth of flavour, mm. um, and we trialled lots of different types of ales and stouts. Um, we're, we firmly we we love our kind of local producers, so we work with um, Froome's Milk Street Brewery, and they get provided with a number of different ales and stouts, and we, and we actually quite like the stout, but it, too many people, we did one of those tastings at markets, and too many people... Marmite was it? So, exactly. like it or not, yeah. Exactly. So we <coughs> went with their, with their Funky Monkey Ale. Um, and yeah, it just adds a depth and breadth of flavour that you don't get from... I mean, lots of people use cider and, and you know, you can use brandy. Our son has actually... Not that I hope our EHO isn't listening, but our son has made a whiskey-based one <laughs> where you wash it, where you wash it in whiskey just to see right. what it's like. Interesting. So you can so you know you can have fun with it. Sort of and and what's the rind? How does how does that work? Um, in well, it's edible for a start. Lots yep. of people kind of query that. Um, I don't know if you want to try some now. Oh, well, Damien, what do you think? Oh, yes, please. He's just been looking at <laughs> it like with his drooling. Mm -hmm. um, we've got that very distinctive smell. I mean, it looks exactly like. Epoise to me. It does, doesn't it? Exactly. It's got that sort of slightly um It, it almost like puckered, puckered, yeah. cream-coloured rind. Now, I know it probably needs to be a little warmer, which is hilarious given that um, we're in a very, very hot day. And how long would you say this kind of... So you, you're, you're saying you're maturing it for over a month. Yeah. When people buy it... Oh, my God, Ollie. <laughs> how long oh. do you think... Um, Mm. It would keep for and would, would, would it you know until it's at its best. My God, you've got to really like cheese to eat that. <laughs> you can't be somebody who just slightly likes cheese. <laughs> you have to seriously like cheese to eat that. We call it a grown-up cheese. Oh, you know, it's wow. the, like, we get lots of kids at markets coming up and trying, saying, "Oh, can we try some?" And we're like, "If you like cheese, yes, but this is definitely wow, very distinct, isn't it?" I'm have some. I've got such a long aftertaste on it. Have you? Oh, it's just, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those, you see, I, I'm, wow. you know, in the world of cheese, I like big cheeses. I like cheeses that are soft. I like cheeses that have that kind of long mouthfeel. And actually, I mean, just, I mean, they're absolutely not children's cheeses. Mm. Um, my son might eat that, actually, worryingly. He tried to do something quite similar the other day and enjoyed it. But um, I, I, you know, there's, there's just so much flavour in that and there's depth. There's so much going on there as well, actually. Yeah, there is. Incredible. Sorry, I interrupted you speaking because I just but, couldn't contain myself. So, so that cheese is a month old, is it? So this one uh, is probably about five, six weeks, but it, it will amazing. last for another eight weeks. Another eight weeks. Yeah. So it's a relatively short... Um, the depth of that, considering it's matured for just that, is not... But it's interesting, you say it's relatively short. You know, we live in a world where everything has best before dates and things last like four mm. days. And actually, 
to say to someone like a, a cheese of this quality lasts for eight weeks. I mean, that's that's quite a long time. I'm, I'm not sure it would don't last for eight weeks because it's so delicious. I mean, it's, I, mean <laughs> I, I don't think that cheese has ever lasted for eight weeks because you'd put that on a table and you'd be like... Damon, like no, Damien's <laughs> desperate for some more. I can see in his mm -hmm, eyes. Mm -hmm. Here we go. He, he wants more than that. Thank you. Sorry. That's great. <laughs> I'm really impressed. It's a really good, impressive mm. cheese. So what other cheeses are you... I mean, this is obviously a signature cheese and, and the first cheese you made, but you've gone beyond this mm. and you're making other cheeses as well? No. Um, so, so, I mean, Marcus did his first cheese course. It was a brilliant River Cottage um, one two years ago. So um, so he didn't... As early as that, yeah. it's, He didn't expect to kind of... What did he do beforehand, apart from being the president of the London Cheese Society? He's always, he's a fantastic cook. So right. He loves food, and we both love food. But he's re he's really good. I mean, he's a, and um, but you know, for, as as our French friend said, an amateur cheesemaker, <laughs> which um, doesn't seem to be anything amateur about that taste though. But it's yeah no, and it's it's it is it's um it's a really have your French friends tried this. They haven't yeah they have now. Yeah. But when we were describing what we were doing, they said, "Oh, so you're amateur cheesemakers." So, so what do your French and what do your French friends make of this now? They think it's really good. Yeah, they, I mean, good. they buy it for their how, party. How could you not? How yeah. could you not? Really? So, do you? So, are you exporting any of this yet? No, but um, we're now working with a, a bunch of wholesalers, and one of them, um, the Fine Cheese Company, have been very supportive, and they want to take it to America. So that's a that's, which we think is kind of interesting because that would America. No, it's, uh, it's pasteurized milk. Yeah, and so there's a whole punk cheese movement going on in America. One of, one, of, one, of the, one of the government's great ideas about the way we we're going to make up for the loss of 40% of our trade with Europe was we were going to sell more cheese to America, which I accept is an opportunity on some level, but it probably won't make up for the 40% loss. <laughs> but I'm delighted to meet someone who might actually be selling cheese to America. Are they saying that we should be selling tea to China as well? Is that part of their strategy? Yes, I do know they've taken Wittards to China. Um, I was joking, and no, obviously I don't no, need to joke no, about that. No, you, 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 <laughs> I think there are lots of things in the, in the current world one doesn't joke about because they turn out mm. to be true. Yeah, noodles to China. So, so, you're st so basically, your plan is you're sticking with this cheese at the moment. So, the, so the issue is, is that we our cheese room is five. It's about the size of this studio that we're sitting in, five meter squares, maybe, mm. maybe a bit bigger. Um, we can't make more than two hundred cheeses a week, and we certainly can't make more than one type of cheese because of the cult. You know, it's we've created yeah, yeah. a living culture which would cross, inf not you know, cross create kind of lots of too many different weird variations of. Hybrid cheeses, and you need consistency, don't you? you? Maybe you could turn this recording studio into another cheese room because now we brought this cheese into it. We may find that the culture may be living in this room. Mm. Do I mean. not bring any milk in here. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, and, and I also know that as part of what you're doing um, in terms of the farm, you're really trying to be self-sufficient, aren't you? So can you explain just a little bit about how this this whole sort of circular thing for me that you're doing in terms of making this and and, and making the farm sustainable? So. So, it, so that's very much the kind of one of our core ethics is to be to live lightly on the land and be as sustainable as possible. Um, and part of that is we actually started with the pigs first, but they drink. We've got ten um, Oxford Sandy Black pigs, totally organically re reared, and we give them all the way. So the idea is that as we grow, we will grow our, our, our um, herd of pigs. Because the, the thing about way that lots of people don't know is that. Um, you have to pay to take it off your land. You can't put it down into the drains because it's, it's um you can't put it onto the land. Um, so effectively, it's kind of one of those crazy things where you kind of have my you know petrol miles taking your way off the land to go and be disposed of somewhere else. So that's a kind of core a cornerstone of what we're doing. Um, what do they normally do with it? 
they they literally they, you, you have to get it paid to get it taken away. And they, I think they they probably they, they put it down the drain for you. They put it in <laughs> some landfill that is safe, or they make it into bodybuilding powder, which is awesome. of course one or of your the, black cow who make cheddar, but they make now. Vodka, vodka out of their way, which is which yeah. is pretty which is smart. Good news. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. maybe vodka's the next thing. Once once the pigs have, you can't have enough more pigs. You can start making a vodka. So far, so we do want to kind of <laughs> develop our pig business because actually we're going to have a hundred of the you know the things because um we've been really lucky with um we applied for the last bit of EU money in Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> and we got it to, help, to build, to expand our cheese facility, basically. So we can go from making 200 cheeses to 2,500 cheeses. Wow. So that will enable us by the end of this year to make more varieties of cheese. So and what you're doing then is using the way to, um, to, f- for the pigs... Yeah. Which, make, which makes sense. But I also know you, you, you've got rare breed chickens and geese and sheep and all sorts of other things too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's, it's a joy. Sustainable living is a joy. I mean, it's a disaster if, if things go wrong. <laughs> you know, if we had to survive on it, I was saying to um, uh, your producers that, you know, we've had beet, uh, flea beetle this, um, this year, which has struck all our kind of salad crops, which means that if we, you know, we'd have scurvy t- if we lived 200 years ago, but luckily, <laughs> Waitrose does deliveries. Yeah, Waitrose, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're okay. But yeah, mm. so... So great. And, and if we can go back to the cheese, um, uh, this is stunning, I think, Ollie, do you? I mean, I... Amazing. I mean, we're... Lucky so, enough so, to eat lots of different sorts of cheeses. But um, this is absolutely yeah. stunning. Um, where are you going to go from here? Just just up the production on it. So um, we were so we will increase production because there's demand mm. for it. Um, I can see why. And we've and God, we've had some fantastic, yeah, the, uh, really great support from people locally. Um, kind of, the, and you realise how important the people mentors are effectively. Like um, Jules and Steve Horrell from the Rothbar and Grill put it on their menu, and they chose it as one of their kind of first cheeses for the Great Taste Awards. Um, I don't know if you've met Matthew O'Callaghan from the um, Artisan Cheese Awards. He, frankly, he deserves an MBE. He right. runs, he runs. He's such, it's such an inclusive mm. um, show that he brings in. But basically with them, they've been supportive. And so we're hoping that as we expand our range, we can kind of develop yep. more and more yep. um, of that. Damien, your thoughts on, on this? What, I mean, you're, yeah. you're a very experienced businessman. We'll talk about some of the things you're doing. It, it's stunning, isn't it? No, I'm completely stunned. Uh, you know, for me, cheeses, my go-to cheeses are, you know, France and Italy. Mm. And I've never particularly thought of the UK and England beyond cheddar, to be honest. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm blown away. That is really, I do love, I love my cheeses. And that was very memorable and an outstanding cheese. Oh, Next time I see you, Damien, we're going to trot down to Neil's Yard Dairy and we're going to work our way through all of their English cheeses. Mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm. believe you said that. You will be carried <laughs> I out. I You will be carried out. I think I said the wrong said thing that. in this room, didn't I? Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, oh, no, because, no, but look, because I think, why would you? Because yeah. when you go to a supermarket, you don't get that, the breadth of English cheese that you should. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's one of the things which, you know, I mean, there is all this stuff going on. But actually, you know, you might be in... So how many supermarkets are you in at the moment? We don't know in supermarkets. But you, but you'll aim for one, you know, ultimately, or maybe in a local scenario. The problem is this stuff won't get out beyond the kind of the artisanal mm. cheesemakers. So if you really want this kind of cheese, you've got to be going to either your farmers markets, mm-hmm. or you've got to be going to local cheese shops or delicatessens mm-hmm. to focus on this stuff. And the truth is, at the moment, a lot of Brits still haven't yet fully understand the complexity of what's available in in the British cheese market. It's not just that though. Um, Penny can make this most amazing cheese. It goes to the supermarket. They don't keep it properly. They kill it. it then goes on the shelf. 
people taste it and it will in no way be representative of what you've made yeah. because they don't know how to keep it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and they can't anyway because of the way they operate. And that's, that's the real bummer for me is that, you know, you do see what I know of some of the most amazing cheeses when I've been to see the cheesemakers, but then when you buy it in the supermarket, it's dreadful mm. because it's, it's dried out, actually. It's too yeah. cold and it may have been there far too long. But this is where, I mean, you know, I, mean, I was talking to Monica from Brindisa mm. you know, a few years ago and we were talking to her about, you know, how they care for their cheese and they're importing cheese all the way from Spain. And, it, you know, these are delicate products. You, you know, you, you, as you say, you have to treat them with respect. But look, I think game is get into your local delis get into your mm. local farmers markets and try what's being produced locally because okay. there are some mm-hmm. stars like yeah that. where do you live again in the silicon valley of cheese it's where basically somerset between yes yeah, so the silicon valley long, of cheese it's quite a long way for me to go to get that but I, i'm sure it, it must be available in, yep. in some of the, the shops in london so it's just got into london through um it's in mayfair at the fine cheese company um it was it has been in um you know Whole Foods got a nice cheese section up in there. But there's also there are also online cheese shops now that are you know there's there's sort of stuff that Mm. we're suddenly trying to promote, which is where you can sort of go to aggregators who understand there is a group of of what we call cheese heads um, (laughs) who who really want this kind of mad stuff. And Pong Pong, Pong took a big order of this, and which was great. I mean, it's really amazing when you get that because it just makes everyone kind of go, "Oh, good, there are people who love this." Yeah, you know, we stood in enough farmers markets watching people kind of you know make faces and say. It's not like cheddar, is it? And you kind of go, no, no it's not. No, <laughs> don't want you as a client anyway. So, um, so um, Penny, where can people read a little bit more about what you're doing on Feltham's Farm? Um, probably the best is online. Um, so I've got here feltham'sfarm.wordpress.com and yep. um, we'll give you a link from the um, Food Talk website if you want to Thank read you. more about it. Basically, head down to Somerset if you want to get hold of it. Or online. Yep. Or online. Right. Or online. Um we might tuck into a little bit more yeah, while, while we're, we're chatting. Um, Damien, now, there's, we know the story of Mr Lee's noodles, which is, which is incredible. So you've developed these uh, noodles that are good for you and all that sort of stuff. Thank you, Penny. Give me some more of that, lovely. Um, uh, but uh, it's your, I'd say, vending machines. They're not the kiosks that you've developed that are really incredible for me. And I think could change um, communities often. You're not taking the whole of that, um, Ollie. He's just about to put it in his rucksack. I thought while she was um, talking, I could distract her and <laughs> steal the cheese. Is it? There's no way you could vend machine, uh, vend cheese, is there? Because you, you know what the Japanese are like? They vend anything. Never. never say never. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. That'd be good, though. Because mm-hmm. you mean, could keep it at absolutely the right temperature. Really well. mm-hmm. You could have it like you could have all the right sort of, you know, because it's about the humidity. Mm-hmm. Get I think look, on it. it would be highly possible, absolutely. I mean, a challenge that I love challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you explain your food kiosks that you've developed? Sure. So, the Mr. Lee's noodle Ground kiosk. Breaking, really. Groundbreaking. Eat my cheese, my donut. Like that. Um, our noodle kiosks, and some people will call it vending. Mm. Uh, I think I've told you in the past, for me, that's a dirty word. Vending is a dinosaur. And I saw vending. It needed to change. It needed to move on. Uh, it needed to be much more today. And that's a storefront, as far as I'm mm. concerned, for Mr. Lee's. That's our opportunity to engage with our consumer, to entertain our consumer and inform our consumer. So I've developed a, a Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk that will serve you a hot, vended Mr. Lee's noodle 24-7. They're intelligent. 
Okay, so it knows who you are. It knows if you're a male or a female. It knows your age group within a certain reason. So it pushes smart content to you. Uh, it, it also brings in valuable information on what's going on on the real estate. It records footfall, time of day, purchases, habits, you know, this location, a thousand people passed today of those thousand people, 500 were females ages between the ages of 15 and 25. It's a very powerful information that we can return to the real estate, uh, also for their marketing teams to actually know what's going on on Stop their real estate. Stop control as well, can manage Stop that control. really cleverly. Yeah. We know what's going on in our kiosks live right up to the second, you know, water temperature, uh, stock control, the whole heartbeat of our system. So, so I've brought vending to where I believe it should be in the 21st century. And uh, they're big and bright and we have big 42-inch touchscreens that uh, entertain as well and uh, they're very engaging. Because the key thing for me, because uh, you entered into our lovely Food Talk Awards, mm -hmm. and the thing that stuns the, the judges, although I, I obviously knew all this already, um, if there are certain situations, uh, let's say you've got a, a family member that's ill in hospital, you're there and it's two o'clock in the morning, you know, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to have something? You don't want some sandwich as if you could even get one anyway, which you, which you couldn't. It does allow you to get something hot and nutritious for a, a reasonable amount of money in those sorts of situations. And for me, there's a real community benefit to some of the things that you're doing. And that includes, you know, students in halls of residence or, or mm -hmm. people who are working unusual hours, you know, on their way home. Mm -hmm. train gets delayed or something or whatever it is they're doing. Um, there are real benefits to having this, isn't there, as opposed to, you know, a vending machine that's stuffed full of chocolate that's really bad for you. Absolutely. And look, you mentioned uh, hospitals and mm. so forth. The NHS, for, for personal reasons, is very close to my heart. I've spent a lot of time in a hospital um, through my own health in the, in previously. And one thing that stunned me in the hospitals was here we are, trying to make people better and we're talking about obesity yeah. and so on. And the offering in the hospitals is atrocious. Right. I mean, if you go, particularly when the restaurants are closed after hours, when you've still got patients and staff milling around 24-7, the only options is to go to the vending machine down the hallway and you've got Kit Kat bars, bags of crisps and so on. And it's just, my God, all the sugar and, 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 and junkiness. And I know there's a big sort of hoo-ha at the moment to say we need to make the eating and feeding, feeding options in our hospitals better. So with Mr. Lee's Noodle Kiosk, we're going to be able to provide hot, healthy uh, food options 24-7, which are the, you know, we're the lowest in sugars, we're the lowest in salts, lowest in saturated fats and lowest in calories of any sort of instant noodle in the market today. Mm -hmm. um, and, no you've nasties. Great, and you've got great ingredients, yeah. And yeah. great ingredients. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, so... The NHS side is, of what we're doing has is, is been very important and we've been fortunate enough now we're about to launch into a, a couple of NHS trusts with the kiosks where they're going to be testing them within that environment. I'm very excited about that, but not mm -hmm. just here in, in the UK, but also abroad. And uh, yeah, but, but outside of the hospital as well, you know, as I said, workplaces today, many people are milling around again, 24-7 in the workplace, yep. universities, you've got students in student dorms and campuses working late during, you know, uh, exam periods. People still need to eat and to be able to provide a hot, healthy 24-7 option in those environments at a reasonable price, at a reasonable price mm. rather than having to call out for a Domino's, uh, which I know so many university students do when their restaurants are closed at, in the library and so on, is, is what Mr. Lee's is all about. Mm. And, and, and uh, also for me, I mean, I, I remember once um, from a marketing 
perspective, going as a consultant to help one of the uh, NHS um, uh, cancer units. And they came and said, oh, we want to help you with this, that and the other and behaviour change. And so I went over to see them and uh, I was about half an hour early. And in the in the staff, you know, sorry, in the canteen, the public canteen, I couldn't believe it. There was a chalkboard and it was said, specials today, cheese and onion pasty and, and some beef pasty and there wasn't any salad options there was it was i couldn't believe it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yet this is a place we're trying to promote health and 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 help people get through some pretty difficult times and and i can't believe that that there wasn't some type of i don't know sort of management edict that that it's incredible isn't it Mm. Mm -hmm. because if you're stuck there with all due respect Mm -hmm. if you you're not going to go and find food elsewhere so let's make sure people are eating some decent stuff Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. decent choices so, well, look, okay. we're doing our little part to, to help, yeah. help you know, change but, that. But the key thing about your, your innovation is, is being able to dispense something that's hot. Mm-hmm. Now, that's quite different. Very different. I mean, as I'm sure... And it has its challenges. It has its challenges. We've had some real challenges around the technology. I mean, we've, we've developed our own kiosks and IP, and uh, we're, we're probably a, a year behind where I would have liked to have been today. Mm. Um, one of the main reasons is our original partner that we were sort of developing the product with and, and, and went went broke <laughs> um, abroad, and that slowed things down. So we Andy? had to go, to go back to the drawing board and, and rework things, and we're in a good place now. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, but it's interesting. In the UK, I would say that the... I understand you said dirty word, but the vending machine world is actually pretty stuck where it was in the 1980s, mm-hmm. I would argue. You know, there are machines that have cold drinks. There are machines that produce boiling hot things with powder, which are quite despicable mm-hmm. in the hot chocolate kind of teas and coffee world, which bear no resemblance to anything normal. And actually in the world of food, it is basically pre-packaged stuff that is in sweets and crisps. And actually, we would, you know, if you look at the Japans of this world or, you know, certainly America as well, there is a revolution going on, which, you know, is, is odd because actually I always think that Britain's often quite ahead on food yeah. trends. But this is one of those ones where one we are genuinely thing. behind mm-hmm. versus the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, saying that, you mentioned Japan. I mean, Japan, absolutely. They are absolutely out there at the forefront. <clears throat> Just, uh, I mean... You can get a pair of knickers out of a vending machine in Japan. I'm not joking. There you go, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, you really I'm not can. sure one needs... Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, a great, it's always important to get anything from a vending yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, but they, they've got... You name it, they've got it. America, funny enough, is... We would think the land of ending uh, is, is more progressive than the UK... It's actually not funny enough, and we're finding that out ourselves, and uh, maybe we'll come to that in a little bit. But uh, the UK, there is a bit of a revolution going on, a small one, micro one, which is now growing, where they're trying to find healthier food snacking to to put inside the vending Mm. machines. So at the end of the day, it's the same old vending machine, but instead of stocking it with Kit Kats and Mars bars, they're just putting healthier prepackaged food in there. Yeah, but I have noticed that quite a bit. Right, and that's happening, which is great. But But that's not really, that's just, that's a packaging. uh, That's a packaging. What we're doing differently is... The technology's not changed. It's still the roundy things. Exactly. It's yeah. a spiral Make thing. It, yeah. Yeah. Look, there's yeah. more water and there's they're, they're lower fat crisps and all that kind of stuff. But that for me is not a revolution. That's, that's not a revolution. That's a, stack, a, a stock choice change. That's right. But at least that's happening. But yep. what we're doing is we're revolutionizing the technology as well. Be able to provide that hot, healthy 
vended meal mm. ready to go 24-7. So, you know, it injects the water and so on and it serves it up to you. You can have it dry if you want to take away later or you can have it now ready to go. But there will be more things that were coming into that kiosk soon and, you know, we can talk more about that in the future. But, you know, Mr. Lee's is not just about noodles. We have uh, other other product lines coming that we've been developing and working on. For us, that whole Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk is a set our shop front. So you can, be, you can get your lunch, your dinner, noodles, but soon you'll be able to get your breakfast from there as well because you don't necessarily always think about having a noodle for, bre- uh, for breakfast, um, maybe in Asia, but certainly not in, the, in most mm. Western uh, cultures. So we've got some solutions around that coming. So it's about that whole Mr. Lee's healthier vending sort of offer. Essentially, because you said that America isn't ahead. I mean, when I was in Chicago, probably about this time last year, I saw some, I think it was, it was a, a farm-based business where they were doing... I mean, amazing salads and mm-hmm. amazing kind of things whereby you would choose your different pieces. And they've done a very good job of sort of breaking things apart. So there were lots of choices of, of dressings. You know, did you want chicken on the side? Do you want tofu on the side? Did you want just a straight mm-hmm. salad? And actually, it was like almost a sort of uh, a machine that basically produced a kind of the equivalent, I would say, of a, of a sort of canteen experience mm-hmm. where you could pick and choose and things. And it was, it was in like a food court scenario. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think the technology was that revolutionary, but I'd never seen a salad... Mm-hmm with choices being being well dispensed from from a place before from kiosk, yeah. which was i thought was interesting which is interesting but that's got its own challenges as well it's about that freshness and yeah. the cost of keeping it fresh and having somebody go out there and taking out ingredients that haven't sold and then restocking it with fresh ingredients so i'm not sure how scalable mm. um i think it's great the concept but when you look at the scalability of, of that sort of technology, I'm not sure it's quite there yet because, as I said, it's got its challenges around that. Oh, yeah. But, Damien, it must be set to grow, the, 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 you know, the sort of, let's say, remote service of food, mm-hmm. if, if we, if we call it that, has, has, has got to grow, hasn't yeah, it? Massively. I mean, we're already seeing in, in, you know, in coffee shops and all that sort of thing where they're cutting out the service, you can just order stuff on your mm-hmm. app and then you just literally engage with the person who mm-hmm. made it and you know, just giving it to you. Surely the next stage is really smart vending and really yes. clever vending. Yes. It's, got, it's got to be. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're getting more and more inquiries into our business. Uh, in fact, more inquiries than we can absolutely deal with at this stage where we know the clients themselves and their real estate are looking to take the people out of the business as, yeah. as much as they can yeah. and have these automated options. And... Uh, but, are, but, but then, mm. I'm, I'm sorry to correct you, mm. they're not taking people out of the business. What they're doing is they're, they're taking people out of doing that job, but actually their job is then stocking, looking after it, being technically capable of, of fixing the machine. So, so you've got a different sort of workforce, if you see uh, what do, I mean. That's right. So we're you're cr- cutting out the server. The so server, the server, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Well, um, all very interesting. We'd like you to work on a vending machine that dispenses cheese, Cheeses. please, right. in prime condition. My next challenge. I think. Yeah. So, Penny, we, we need to get your, you know, lovely um, cheese dispensed. Do you not think? Yeah, I'm worried about it dropping into the machine. You know, oh, yeah, if it doesn't <laughs> work. It just dropped. Uh, uh, hit in the a, bottom. It's like, you know, yeah. need to do a very good job of lowering it, it very carefully and just you know, yeah. delivering mm-hmm. it in a very sort of gentle way. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry we've run out of time. Um, so thank you to our guest today. That's um, Penny Nagel of Feltham's Farm. Look out for Renegade Monk Cheese. Highly, highly, highly recommended. And thank you again, as always, Damien. Um, that's Damien Lee of Mr. Lee's Noodles. Um, and if you want to find out a little bit more about Mr. Lee's Noodles, particularly the kiosks, basically, if you just Google Mr. Lee's Noodles, you, you'll find all that out, won't you? Mm-hmm. Mr. Lee's Noodles.com. 
Uh, you've been listening to The Food Talk Show and as you probably know by now, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Podbean, iTunes, podcast app and so on and so on. Thank you, Ollie. Uh, you're going to take that cheese home, aren't you? No. We, we're, yeah, you we're are. Because we're in the cheese awards at the moment, we are tasting, I think on average... 12 cheeses a week at the moment. So, Are you? Yeah, you must people, have dreadful the, cholesterol. The, 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 the office, I think, is in, is in terrible state by the end of, the end of the summer. I've had enough of cheese. Well, I might nick that then. Um, so thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. Or if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk or you've got loads on the Great British Chefs site as well, haven't you? Absolutely. You have, you have. Um, I hope you have a very good week and uh, goodbye. Goodbye.